Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. This is week number two of the series Open House. Open House. It's all about living into this call of, of hospitality that our humanity so desperately needs and God so generously shows us. That's what we're talking about over the course of these next number of weeks. The hospitality of God and our obligation around that as well. Now, last week, we explored the reality of creation and the work that God is still doing. He's still doing it even this morning to ensure that we have a home in him. Remember, Jesus was talking to his disciples right before the crucifixion, right before he was going. To, he knew his time was very limited, and he encouraged them. I wonder if you need encouragement this morning. Do you need encouragement to, to keep on going, to not stop? but to keep on going, to continue living your life in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus. Do you need some encouragement this morning? Because because when Jesus says to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not just saying that to them. He's saying that to you and I because this morning he still has a good work for you to do. He still has some things he wants to reveal to you. He still has a a way forward for you when the time is dark, when things don't look possible. He is creating things that are possible. He creates the possibilities where there are impossibilities from our perspective. So even this morning, even this morning, God is saying, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. My house is an open house. My house is an open house. Today we're dipping into aliens and UFOs. You interested in aliens and UFOs? Yeah, well, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. In 1938, which only about three people in the house this morning, I don't know how many online, but only about three people in the house this morning were alive in 1938. Right? But many of us have heard what happened in October of 1938 when Orson Welles went online. He went Oh, that's, a, that's not a 1938 term, though, not online. He was uh, doing a radio broadcast of, the, of the, the story of War of the Worlds, the book War of the Worlds. Uh, he was doing a radio broadcast, and he did it in such a way that people in, in uh, uh, Grover's Mill, New Jersey, thought the Martians were actually landing. And it was mass chaos for a bit until they figured out that this was not an actual news bulletin. It was simply something that was a fiction, a work of fiction that was feeling like it was a real thing. The Martians didn't land in Grover's Mill, New Jersey that day. And E.T. didn't land in 1982. But you know what? All of us know that E.T. said, home phone, home. No, he said home phone. He got it all mixed up. But The point was that E.T. became a fixture of our uh, film culture back from 1982. We have this thing around science fiction, don't we? We have this idea, this imagination that God has given us around what might be out there. What might be out there? Well, until... uh, Did you hear the news at the end of June this year, just a couple weeks ago? I, was, I had the, the news on one day, and I was listening to what the, uh, 
the news reporters were talking about, and they were talking about this report that was coming out from the Pentagon and the U.S. National, or Director of National Intelligence that was expected to give us some new insight into these strange, unidentified flying objects that our Air Force pilots keep seeing and they keep reporting on them. There was a lot of hype. It was a lot of hype around this. Some of it was pretty breathless, like, I can't imagine what might happen. What if this is real? Well, as you might know already, the, the uh, report simply concluded that uh, it, the ET and his flying saucer friends, they just needed more study. That's all the report said. There's somebody out there, is what we're told. And I suppose it's good for someone to be on top of this, to study it, to know more about it. But this morning, I believe I need to just stick to the conversation of human aliens. Because I think we have enough real-world problems of immigration and how we react to those flesh-and-blood aliens among us. See, they're arriving without a UFO, but many of them are arriving with, with uh, trauma from human traffickers and from the coyotes that are smuggling them across the border. I'm not speaking this morning as one who has done hardly anything to alleviate the, um, the suffering of the, our immigrant brothers and sisters, but I believe it's a real problem. It's one that needs to be addressed. So that isn't something that we can really move the needle on this morning, except I wanted to remind us of the reality of aliens and foreigners among us. We need to pray for those in authority that can actually do something about it. And then we individually, you and I, we need to take action wherever we can. Now, you may be sitting there this morning thinking, boy, he just made a political statement. That was not my intent. I simply believe that we who claim to be followers of Jesus shouldn't make the UFOs around us, the unseen, the foreigner, the outsider among us, the enemy among us. So what can we do this morning but to choose to live differently? to not turn a blind eye to the UFOs right around us, but to consider the idea of open house, to be radical hospitality, and how that fleshes out in our own lives. How do we do this ourselves? Because is, here's a question, is the alien and the foreigner really welcome in our neighborhood? Like we're all pretty vanilla here this morning. What about our neighborhoods? What if someone moves in next door? They're not from the United States. How welcome are they in our neighborhoods? Are the poor, the outcasts, and the other really welcome to come close? Are we, are you and I willing to be rejected, to be hated, to not be in the in crowd for the sake of the kingdom? If you recall the words of Jesus when he taught us how to pray, he taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever wondered what heaven looks like? Have you ever wondered who's represented in heaven? See, when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there are many implications around this. But one of my favorite ones is to think and consider that all nations and all tribes will be represented around the throne of God. At the end of time, it won't just be a vanilla crowd. In fact, we'll probably be outnumbered if we don't get our act together. It'll be those that we call aliens and foreigners and immigrants to America. 
they too will be around the throne of God. So is it not true this morning that to follow the way of Jesus is to bring the love of God into the reality of our day-to-day lives? Is it not true that the love of God in Christ, while for us, is especially inclined toward those who are far from God and those who are most vulnerable? I'd like us to turn in the scriptures to Hebrews chapter 13 this morning, and uh, we'll begin with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let me remind us, I haven't done this for a while, but let me remind us that it is a good thing for you to read your Bible before you get here on Sunday mornings. It's a good thing for you to know where the book of Hebrews is. If you're a follower of Jesus, you ought to be in the word. Uh, This morning, uh, we're gonna read, like I said, read from Hebrews 13. If you have your Bibles or if you have uh, the app on your phone, just open it right up and follow along and it'll also be on the screen. Verse one, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. How difficult is that first verse for us even to do sometimes? We have this common bond among us as followers of Jesus, this common bond of the saving grace of God. This is what holds it all together. Verse two, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourselves. Remember also those being mistreated as if you, if you felt their pain in your own body. See, in the ancient world, this act or this, the action, the attitude of hospitality was esteemed. It was held up. It was the, the, one of the most important social structures that were in place during this ancient time. Because, listen, if, if somebody knocks on your door now... Uh, you may or may not want to answer the door, right? And there's no social implication for you to not open that door. But in the ancient world, this was not the case. In the ancient world, if you didn't open your doors to the stranger, the foreigner among you, this was, this was considered a, an awful situation. Not only that, they, they would actually be in danger if they weren't brought into your home. So it was a, it was a social and a religious obligation. And it wasn't done for, uh, uh, and it shouldn't be done on the off chance that you might be receiving an angel as a guest, but rather, here's why we do it, but rather to be hospitable, to be like God. To be hospitable is to be like God. When we take action to love and care, to know and be known, to show value and appreciation one to the other, this is, this is a sweet sacrifice of praise to God. Verse 11, under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Let us go outside and bear the disgrace he bore. So we align ourselves with the suffering of Jesus. See, Jesus was not an insider. He landed outside the system. The place he stepped into as he made the ultimate sacrifice and all sacrifices was outside the city gates. It was not inside the city. It was outside the city. That place that was considered to be unclean. If you were sent outside the city, you were unclean. You were unworthy. It was a humiliation. I wonder if you can identify with the suffering of Jesus this morning. Have you been outside the safety of tradition? Because you know, there is a sense of safety when it comes to the traditions in our lives and in our institutions and in our churches. 
Can you identify with the suffering of Jesus? Have you been placed outside? Have you been outside the comfort of home? Do you know the feeling of being despised and rejected? Have you ever been considered unworthy? Have you ever considered yourself unworthy? Have you been on the outs with the ins? That's not a fun place to be. But sometimes that's exactly where God does his best work. See, Jesus suffered inhospitable action so that you and I would know the fullness of the hospitality that is offered to us. Let me say that again. Jesus suffered inhospitable action so that you and I would know the fullness of the hospitality that is offered us. I love these words. Some of my favorite words from the, from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. He says, come to me. See that? Come. It is the hospitable action of Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'm gonna give you rest. Learn my ways. You'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require. See, he doesn't make it complicated. All that I require is you come to me, and you will be you will be uh, in a place of, that is pleasant. You'll find me easy to bear. See, this world, chapter, verse 14, for this world is not our permanent home. This is the Hebrew writer reminding us, this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And a reminder as he closes the chapter, don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. See, God, God smells the aroma of those, that ancient people, the ancient people of Israel, as that, the aroma of burning flesh, these animals that were required to be sacrificed for their sin. God smells that aroma, and it is pleasing for a moment, but that is not what God desires. God desires ultimately that we would Make a sacrifice that really, truly pleases him, which is to do good and to share with those in need. Here's the thing. Here's what I believe. I think we've got to take risks. If we're going to reach people for the cause of Christ, if we're going to reach our community, we've got to be the people who take risks if we're serious about reaching others for God. If we always wait until somebody else lends a hand, feeds the poor, clothes the naked, we will never step into the place that God has called us to step into, if it's a, be it is as a church or you as an individual. This means that if we believe in this mission, we step up and we say yes to Jesus and the radical hospitality he calls us to. If you've been in any churches recently, if you've been in churches over your lifetime, you know that many, many, many churches in this world, they, uh, they have stopped putting out the welcome mat. They stopped doing that many years ago. They've been navel-gazing for decades. They'll verbalize that, oh, we want to reach the community that we're in. We want to do all these things. But when it threatens their traditions, they pull back. Well, we can't go there. We can't do this. They won't engage the culture of their day. And this is the opposite of what Jesus calls us to. The church can't be the light of the world and not be in the world. The church can't be the light of the world and not be in the world. 
Being in the world is different than being of the world. There's a huge distinction between being in the world and being of the world. It's a way of thinking differently. It's a way of choosing differently. It's a way of acting differently. It's being distinctly different in both thought and action. See, if we do the right thing now, the more difficult thing now, because we do all of this because this place is not our home. We are aliens and foreigners in a temporary dwelling place. You recognize that, right? The Hebrew writer reminds us of this. Hey, we're only here temporarily. We're not here forever. Even now, your body and my body is decaying. We're all going to die. The significant piece is, is that we be, we're mindful of that and that we live accordingly. That we don't waste a moment here on earth. So I, I just remind us this morning that we should never get so comfortable with tradition that our future looks just like our past. Nobody, I mean nobody wants to live like that. Nobody wants to live our future life dependent on the traditions of our past. Now I know, you and I, we all have our journey. And if the only thing you can do today is show your kids how to kindly and generously show love and grace, then do that. That's your most important work right now. And you shouldn't ever apologize for that. If you're a young family, pour into your kids. Do what you need to do to make sure that they understand their place in life. If the only thing you can do right now is to hope and pray for reprieve from an awful work situation or a home life that is incredibly difficult, many of us find us there. We find ourselves there. And I hear you, and I wanna just say, I'm sorry for the situation you're in. But let me tell you, if you can muster up the courage and energy to serve another human being, to step out of your comfort zone and meet the need of another, you may just find your life to be, to be enriched and your spiritual vitality empowered in ways that you could have never imagined. But it requires, it requires taking a deep dive into the, 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 the vision of, that Jesus has for our day and our time. We have to really open ourselves up to allow him to speak into our situation. We lean into the Holy Spirit and allow him to inform our every move. This is key for us to be effective in our community. It doesn't do any good for us to simply, to simply step forward without having a deep dive into what Jesus is calling us to. So do that first. Do that first. As followers of Jesus, let me remind us also that we have the Holy Spirit in us, and when we have the Holy Spirit in us, he is always ready to inform us of our next step. He is always ready to, to encourage us forward, but he needs willingness, willingness to do that. Willingness to actually be hospitable, to have an open house mindset. So I've been, I've been preaching like this for the last couple years, this idea that, that to be in the community as a follower of Jesus is where, um, is where we belong. That there is more to our Sunday morning gathering than just to encourage each other, but it is to be empowered for the days ahead, to go into your workplace, to go into your community, to go into the local places of business and actually conduct ourselves in a way that causes people to say, I wonder what they've got 
that I don't have. I wonder how they live their lives in ways that I haven't. See, those questions give us opportunity to step in and to give some explanation for the faith that we have. I had a friend of mine a couple weeks ago that said, hey, I want to tell you what, some, what happened to me. Um, I, was, I, was at a local, uh, I was at a local pub. I was sitting at the, at the bar, and I was having dinner, and, um, and I saw this person walk, walk down the sidewalk, and they had, she had a dog just like my dog. And it was a beautiful dog, and, and I was just watching her walk by. And then she came inside, and she was talking to the bartender. And the bartender said, uh, she was trying to figure out how to pay because she hadn't intended to end up there. And so she was just on a walk. She wanted to stop in. And so she's talking to the bartender about how she was gonna pay. And my friend just yelled down to the bartender. He said, hey, put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. Now, he could have just ignored that conversation going on at the other end of the bar. But instead, he took the initiative and um, she ended up coming over and talking to him. As they talked, he said, hey, did you have, that was your dog, right? And she said, yeah. And she said, I'm gonna be sitting out here in the yard. And so my friend said, I'm gonna join you out there in a minute. Uh, after I get done eating, I'm gonna come out there because I wanna see your dog. Okay, so what did my friend just do? He found a common, uh, so he met a need, and then he found a, some common ground with the dog. Now, I don't believe that he had any intention of the conversation going where it went. But he did two things that were a response to a human need. Okay? So, after dinner, he goes out. She's out in the yard with the dog, with some other friends. Having, uh, there's music, live music, so he's watching, she's watching the music. And he sits down and starts this conversation. Or, and continues the conversation. He talks about the dog. The conversation goes to the extent that they end up in the parking lot talking after hours and she finds out what he does for a living. He finds out what she does for a living. They had a commonality. So there you go, another piece of common ground. As they talked, there was trust established. As they talked, heart started softening up a little bit. See, my friend had no intention that the, that the direction of the conversation would get to the point where his new friend would begin to unburden herself and tell him about the pain in his life, or her life. The things that have occurred in her life that have made it so difficult. He, and, and my friend could have stood there and he could have, he could have started preaching to her. He could have said, you gotta do this, this, and this. But you know what he did? He began to speak life and blessing over her. And the floodgates opened. And because of Jesus in him, Jesus drew near in that moment. And that moment could have been, could have never happened. But he saw a need, met it, found some common ground, showed value, and the floodgates opened. And he was able to express the love of Jesus in very clear terms. Now, she's on a journey. 
We don't know where that ends up. His words to me were, I'm kind of scared about that conversation because I don't know where it's gonna end. Let's never be, and I told him this, don't be, why are you scared of that? Because you don't know how it's going to end. There are some things about her lifestyle that could be difficult, are difficult. Don't be scared to step into a situation where you can live in a manner that is open house, great hospitality, radical hospitality. That's where we've got to live. If we don't live in a place where we trust that Almighty God is going to come into that situation, that he's going to come in and he's actually going to do way more than we could ever ask or imagine. We don't know how he wants to use us. We don't know what opportunities are immediately in front of us until we step in with a little bit of faith and we say, okay, okay, all right. He didn't pray in front of her at the moment. Like he didn't, he didn't say, oh God, help me to know what to say next. No, you know what? He'd done that a long time ago. He'd done that a long time ago. In that moment, you simply step in and, and believe that God's gonna give you the words, that he's going to show you what it means to show love and hospitality in that moment. So let me ask, let me ask you all, When you go to your workplace tomorrow morning, is a new person showing up? And does that new person come into a culture that is filled with grace and hospitality? Or does that new person come into that workplace feeling like, okay, I gotta gotta couch my bets here. I gotta know that, that I can't reveal too much of myself because if I reveal too much of myself, then I'm going to, then I'm going to be shown as weak. Is that what your workplace is like? Or do they walk into a place that is thriving with the hospitality of God? Is there an actual culture of hospitality? What about your home? Do you others know that you are for them and for their success? See, these are real world questions. We're not in middle school anymore. And if you are, lean in because I'm gonna tell you how not to act Because so many of us adults, we still struggle with the same thoughts. We believe the same lies that we've always believed about ourselves. I love how Paul puts it. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's time to put away the small ways and take on the largeness of God. It's time to put away the small things and put on the largeness of God. As we do this, I'm gonna keep pointing us to the significance of living into the reality and understanding of our culture. Not assimilating, not becoming like our culture, but we as followers of Jesus bring seasoning and we bring flavor to the culture. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus' words to us were, You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, when you go to dinner, when you go to dinner, do you take the salt shaker? You never take, you never do this. You don't never take the salt shaker, take the lid off and dump a pile of salt on the side of your plate. No, you don't do that. That does nothing. That keeps it separate from what you really want seasoned. You add salt 
that gives it flavor. It enhances the flavor. You sprinkle a little bit over the top. This is what we do when we enhance the flavor of culture. We don't dump all the salt over here in our church. We don't all just come here and stay here and not never engage the culture. That's not what we do. We actually go out into the culture and we sprinkle a little bit here and there to enhance the flavor of what's already there. Neither do we take the lid off and just dump it all over the food, right? That is bitter. That gives us a bitter taste. It's inedible. That is not what we do. When we dump it all in one place, that's problematic. You're slamming doors shut instead of opening them up. So ask Jesus the next opportunity you have, how do I enhance flavor? How do I enhance the flavor of this relationship, of this culture, of this place that I find myself this morning? When we do this, it will change our gathering. It will inform our adaptability to the foreigner, the stranger, the alien, the other that comes into our worldview. I'm encouraged by this word, and I hope you're encouraged as well. In Ephesians 2, verse 19, this is in the, the Passion Translation, so it may not be familiar in these, ter this, these terms, but it reads, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones catch that? You're not foreigners and you're not guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as the family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets and best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building. See, the cornerstone of the building is is the most important. In the ancient world, that cornerstone is, is the thing that's gotta be done first. That's where, that lays the solid foundation. This is Jesus Christ, the anointed one. This is Jesus Christ himself. This is the cornerstone of our faith. This is what we're inviting each other into this morning. The band can come on up. We're inviting each other into a culture of hospitality, into a culture that is generously, uh, has a generous open house, we're inviting each other. Jesus is inviting us into a life of freedom, of love and joy and peace and patience, a life of kindness and goodness, of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. When we season our world with these flavors, we'll enhance the experience of everyone. The fruit of our experience, the fruit of, our, of, of the spirit in us is what will draw people to Jesus. When we live in bondage to the things that we think are the most important to us, when we live in bondage to the traditions of our past, 
when we refuse to throw out that welcome mat and take the risk. See, we're, we're plan A for the work of God on earth. God in us, empowering our every move. This is how the work of Christ gets accomplished. And so wherever you need to have a different viewpoint out of this time this morning, man, I'm encouraging you just to release that. Release the places in your life that you wanna hold on to tight and allow the work of God in you to season your world with beauty and grace. Would you stand with me? Father, this morning, it is, uh, it is with gratitude that we lean into the hospitality that you have so generously shown us. We recognize that the love of God is greater than anything that we could ever imagine. Our finite minds can't wrap around the greatness of the grace and mercy that is extended toward us. And so God, as we receive your hospitality even now, would you equip us with strength and courage for our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The one that's coming up just around the corner. It's gonna be Monday morning. And so how we step into the places of that are like our second place. Our, uh, it's not our home, it's probably our workplace. That's our second place. And that will determine, uh, our approach to that will determine the, the impact of the culture wherever we go. So God, thank you. Thank you for being here this morning, for your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for even now, poking and prodding for being that voice that we so long to acknowledge and to live into. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. Oh,